Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jacqueline Thornhill, and I am honored to serve as the 97th president. Our club focuses on youth, children's literacy, and we support our active duty military and veterans. We meet on Thursdays at Lowry's at noon. For more information, please visit LasVegasRotary.com or follow us on Facebook at Las Vegas Rotary Club founded 1923, where you can watch a live stream of our weekly meetings. Please enjoy this week's speaker. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a privilege of uh, introducing our speakers this afternoon. As you know, or you may not know, human trafficking is a serious global problem. As a tourist destination in a global city that attracts millions of visitors annually, Las Vegas finds itself as one of the cities in the U.S. with a serious human trafficking problem. The men and women of Homeland Security Investigations are our nation's vital asset in combating criminal organizations that illegally exploit America's travel, trade, financial, and immigration systems. These men and women are at the forefront of the fight against human trafficking, which often involves transnational criminal organizations. Today we have with us Assistant Special Agent in Charge Michael Harris and Special Agent Stuart McCann to give a presentation on the work of Homeland Security Investigations in raising awareness and eradicating human trafficking in our community. So without further ado, please, let's welcome our speakers. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Michael Harris. I am the Assistant Special Agent in Charge for Homeland Security Investigations here for the state of Nevada. It is absolutely an honor and a privilege to be here today representing HSI and the department regarding uh, human trafficking. As you all know, that is one of the Department of Homeland Security top investigative priorities. We have uh, specifically created a human trafficking task force here in the state of Nevada just to focus on combating human trafficking. Uh, three weeks ago in Reno, we held our first seminar regarding human trafficking. We had over 160 attendees, including the media there, to uh, kick that off in the northern part of Nevada. I brought one of my uh, special agents who's an expert in human trafficking, and he's going to provide you uh, the presentation, and then we can take questions afterward. Stuart. Hello, how are you all doing? My name is Stuart McCann. I uh, work with HSI, special agent, and it looks like we have a little resolution issue, so hopefully we can work through it. Apologize. Um, so basically before we get started, I want to ask, do you guys know who we are? Because I feel like ICE is restructured. We have a lot of components under us, but you know, in the media we get pa painted in a broad brush as ICE, ICE, ICE. Do you guys understand the, the difference? Uh, from the agencies within ICE. Okay, so a lot of times what you're hearing in the media, they're referring to like enforcement and removal operations. And we're our own agency under ICE called Homeland Security Investigations. And what our mission is, is basically to investigate the global movement of goods and people. So whether those are legitimate travel or nefarious travel, uh, we investigated, so like importation cases, export cases, uh, smuggling of people. So we do have a little video. This is 
so we're not really good at putting a lot of money into production, but this is one of the best ones we've had, so I want to show it to say I showed it. So I hope you guys bear with me. It's not too terribly long. Write the agency. Let you let them know that you appreciated that. Maybe they'll maybe they'll go ahead and put some more money into that. I know that a lot of other agencies have some newer stuff. So, uh, but I thought that was a pretty good one. Let me hit escape here. Sorry. So basically, we're the investigative arm of DHS, and that's what we're doing. We're investigating all. I think, me personally, one of our uh, informal mottos could be something as simple as. HSI, yeah, we investigate that. So any crime you can think of that has a uh, nexus to the international border, we investigate. So it doesn't matter if it's an import crime, export crime, people, money. Uh, you saw artifacts. Uh, we do, you know, cultural rep uh, repatriation to uh, different countries. So we're involved in a lot of different things, and, and that's what can make this job difficult. We have more statutory authority than any other federal agency. So we're not as big as some of the other federal agencies either, although we are a good size. And on there we have, so criminal arrest wise, uh, last year, fiscal year 18, we had about 34,344 criminal arrests, and that's just a, across the spectrum of what we do. Um, that's about 94 arrests a day. So this is, this is kind of a similar slide, but the reason why I kept it on there is because it obviously has a picture of Chapo Guzman, and he was arrested. So when you guys think of that investigation, who arrested him, who do you all think of? Probably DEA, right? Again, we need to get out and market a little bit more because we were a big part of that investigation. So that was a photo that was widely circulated, and you can see we had one of our agents right there as well. So we do have a global footprint. Um, we're about 9,400 employees, 600 special agents. We're in 200 cities through the U.S. and about 50 countries. We're also at every uh, major U.S. command combatant location. Uh, I've been overseas on long-term TDY supporting UCOM, and 
it's, we have a lot of unique opportunities when the, within this agency. So it's a great agency to work for. And we do help a lot of people and protect, you know, the public. Uh, it, and even in counterfeit investigations, a lot of people don't think about how can an IPR violation be protecting the public? Well, because guess what? In some of those counterfeit perfumes that people are putting on, they're putting antifreeze in there. They're using other stuff in there, and you're, people are spraying that on their on their cells, and you know, or it could be a counterfeit uh, medication, and they're ingesting it. So, we we put a lot of effort into all kinds of different statutes and investigations. So, what is human trafficking? Right, a lot of people I think don't necessarily understand that smuggling is going to be a crime against a border, really. It's a transportation crime, right? You're taking an object, whether it's a widget person, and it's a lot of times they want to come here, right? Or they want this widget to come here. It's a transportation border crime, right? But trafficking is about exploitation, and it's actually against a crime and the person. Uh, trafficking does not require uh, border nexus. You, you could be a U.S. citizen, born and raised right here, and still be trafficked. And that happens, unfortunately, all too often. So on here, you see for fiscal year 18, um, we had 308 victim, victims rescued and about 1,500 arrests, 1,588 arrests. Um, just to point out, this is a very specific number. We broke it down. So outside of human trafficking, we break it down further or in different areas. We also do child exploitation cases where you're talking about uh, child pornography, distribution, production, child sex tourism. So that, those are all statted completely different. So that would make those numbers balloon. So if we talk about the legal statutes, um, it's uh, Trafficking the Victims of Pro or Protection Act. That was a huge deal back in 2000, and there's been amendments and change to it along the way to make it more beneficial. And that is a new law at the time that helped us uh, enforce it and also enhance penalties. But as that law was there and they continually uh, added to it, it also included protections. So on there it says CP, and it's not child pornography, which is probably a bad reference in this uh, thing. It's actually continued presence. So that's a benefit that we like to give to victims. So. The, the difficulty in prosecuting a trafficking case is we need the victim to actively be involved, to explain everything that's happened, to be part of the prosecution. And a lot of times, them being victims themselves and being subjected to a lot of traumatic situations, they don't trust us, they don't trust anyone. So it, that can be continued presence is a way that we try to offer them services as well as, you know, make sure they're getting the medical care they need, any kind of uh, uh, help that we can provide. We have a victim assistance program that we'll talk about in a little bit. But in addition to that, they have the T visa and the U visa. So those are specifically designed for people to self-petition and say, you know, hey, I was a victim of this. And they submit that into CIS. And our job as an agency or any law enforcement agency is a certification step within that process to say, yes, this, this did occur. Um, so the president's interagency force, 
what is that, forest to monitor, uh, I, it's cut out, and trafficking. Basically what that is is a whole of government approach. They, they have all these different agencies from the Department on State all down to us, and we get together and everyone uses what we have in our toolbox to try and combat this problem. So that's kind of what that is. And the Palmero Protocol, that's basically referring to the uh, UN, uh, uh, the United Nations and their convention on, uh, what is it, uh, trafficking in criminal organizations. And what it is is it, it, it defined that to say, hey, these are the three main things we need to focus on. And that's protection and the protection of victims, prevention and prosecution. So trafficking defined, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. It's going to be a crime against a person. And in every one of these definitions you're going to see, the three words that matter are fraud, force, and coercion. Okay? So if they're being exploited, that's happening to them. The only thing that is above and beyond that when you talk about sex trafficking is any person, again, doesn't matter if they're a U.S. citizen or not, if they're under 18 years of age and they're being exploited, the people will be charged with trafficking. There's no exception to that. Immigration is not an element of the crime. It doesn't matter. Uh, matter of fact, like I say, with continued presence, uh, T visas, U visas, we're trying to support the victims. And this slide's kind of the same, too, talking about crimes against a person, exploitation, um, no border required. And so, again, smuggling is a transportation-based, but smuggling can turn bad, too. And if it does, it can, it can uh, have elements of violence to it, which would be hostage-taking, kidnapping, uh, sexual assault, all those. But it depends on how it gets charged out. In a case like that, you would charge those individually. Hostage taking is its own you know, federal statute that we would implore in that situation versus trafficking. Like I say, we need the victim and we need to lay that all out. So those are actually charged out separately, but they are a part of smuggling as well, unfortunately. So we have some behavioral indicators of traffickers. It usually says traffickers may. And I don't know if you can read a little bit about it, but um, basically what they want to do is separate this person from everyone else. They don't want them to have contact with anyone else. They'll probably hold on to their travel documents, and they may invoke rights of that person without that person knowing. And if you kind of look at some of those, I know it's cut off, I apologize. It's kind of the same as like domestic violence or a child abuse case, same kind of thing. You have a controlling party that is exploiting someone. So those are very similar uh, behavioral indicators uh, across the spectrum. And again, what, when you're talking about victims, the difficulty of that is we need to try to bridge that gap and get people that want to talk about bad things. But a lot of times, they don't, they don't have that trust. They've been coached the whole time to say, we're the bad guys, we're the enemies. Right? Don't talk to them. They're going to make you go away. But that's why one of our biggest pushes when we're doing victim protection 
and we go out and we work big ops is we're actually touching base with these, these you know, it can be anything. I, I don't want to say women, but you touch base with them because it could tra anyone can be trafficked. It doesn't matter about, you know, age, sex, religion, nothing. That doesn't really matter, but you go out and you talk to these individuals and you try to explain that to them and offer them services. That's kind of one of our big things to try and bridge that gap. So we kind of talked about this, some of the challenges. You know, it's a, essentially a hidden crime, especially if you talk about a servitude case where if someone brings someone over and all of a sudden now they're their domestic servant, but yet maybe they have them kept in a separate room of the house. This person never leaves. They can't leave. They can't do anything on their own. Um, you know, it, it's a hidden crime. So unless you have a, uh, someone visiting the home, whether it's a TV repairman or, or a friend or something that notices something and says, hey, this doesn't really seem right, you know, it, it's tough for us to uh, get those tips and leads. So on this slide, it's like a global reality, right? Illicit pathways. So again, it doesn't matter if it's merchandise or people, they're all using the same pathways. So, I started in Arizona. I can only tell you the same paths that they're running drugs on, they're running people. So when they're not running drugs through the desert, they're using the same routes to run people. And they're not going to run people without permission from the DTOs, allegedly. But, uh, you know, that's because they control, the, that's, they control the area, right? So it doesn't matter if it's crossing the fence or a shipping container, a rail container, a per, uh, car. Uh, a semi, you know, they're, they're all used and exploited for a multitude of reasons. So how do, we, how do we try to combat this? We're part of 91 task forces, and the great part of the task forces is kind of like the uh, strategic partnerships we talked about earlier for the president's uh, uh, task force there is. It allows us to leverage all these other agencies' tools in their toolbox to combat a problem. So. The other thing we do outside of that is we collaborate with our foreign partners, law enforcement partners. And we also have public outreaches campaigns. Uh, for instance, the Blue Campaign. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. Uh, the other thing is See Something, Say Something. And we try to reach out and, and do private organization uh, outreach. So this is the Blue Campaign. And if you go to the website, the great part about it is if you want to get involved, it'll tell you what to look for. It'll tell you, if you how to be involved if you want to, and then also provide resources. So if you're a business owner and you decide, hey, you know what, I want to put some pamphlets out to say, you know, keep your eyes peeled for this kind of illicit activity and this matters, you can go there, order it, or probably, I think you can actually print them off and fold them yourself, you, you know, as a... A cheaper way to do it, but toner's expensive nowadays. Um, personally, I believe the prevention aspect of it is the most important, right? Because if, if we're preventing it, we're, we're not having to protect and prosecute, right? But that's why if you see something and you say something is so important, and it doesn't matter if it's from a trafficking perspective or if it's from someone breaking into your neighbor's house, 
the important thing is, is you all have a good corporate knowledge of your area, whether it's your residence, your neighborhood where you work, the gym you go to, your church. And the important thing is, is if you see something that's suspicious, is to pick up here in Nevada, we obviously can use 311 and call it in. And I can tell you, every law enforcement officer would rather have you call in a million tips to have us go in and check it out versus you know, not get that lead and have a chance to investigate something that is suspicious. But the important thing is when you do call in, you have to kind of give that corporate knowledge of why it's suspicious, you know. So this is one of our big uh, international efforts. It's Operation Angel Watch. So it, it's how we try to help fight child sex tourism. So what we do is we work with our foreign uh, partners and we kind of share information about people, whether they're uh, sex offenders or, or troublemakers, if you will, and that kind of gives them the situational awareness to know that this individual is coming to their country and this is kind of their, kind of what they've done in the past and that kind of lets them understand who's coming in and it may result in them not getting allowed entry. So I'm going to play a video on this one, and I think the reason why is it's so specific. It's our video assi or I'm sorry, victim assistance program. So within that program, we have a victim assistance specialist who coordinates helping all these victims and provides them, you know, resources to to do that, you know, get over these challenges they're facing. And then we also have a forensic interviewer. So the forensic interviewers, when we're conducting an investigation, uh, we, we may need someone with specialized skills to interview a child or a, a victim. And uh, we have a section chief on here that does a great job of explaining the program. So if you don't mind, I'll play the video. My name is Dr. Paulette Hubbard. I'm the Section Chief for the Victim Assistance Program, Homeland Security Investigations, ICE. The two main elements that make up the Victim Assistance Program are the Forensic Interview Specialist and the Victim Assistance Specialist. The Victim Assistance Specialists are master's level trained individuals with a um, degree in a social science field, most within the social work arena. We have 26 field offices across the United States and our Victim Assistance Specialists are located within those field offices. They provide assistance to victims that are identified during the course of a federal investigation. So they work with the um, special agents to make sure that those victims are cared for, that their rights are protected, that the victims know what their rights are, and that they connect them with the resources that they may need as um, they move through the course of the investigation. Forensic interview specialists are a master's level trained in a social field, a social science field, um, either in criminal justice or social work. Um, and they provide um, assistance to the special agents. So during the course of an investigation, they actually travel with the special agents, then they go out to interview uh, children that may be identified during the course of an investigation. They also will um, interview a 
adults that may have uh, special abilities like cognitive disabilities or developmental delays. And their purpose is to help to further the investigation um, during the course of an investigation. The concept is to focus on the victims, to make sure that the victims are well taken care of because what we do know is that to have a credible, reliable witness, we have to have a victim that feels safe and secure. And so we provide those services to the victims to make sure that they're safe, that they're stable, and that they feel secure in assisting us throughout the course of the investigation. The Victim Assistance Program provides um, services to all victims of federal crimes, so be it child exploitation, human trafficking, um, financial crimes, any type of crime that a victim may be identified during the course of a federal investigation. Most of the victims that we work with are United States citizens, but we also have um, our fair share of um, foreign victims that may have come into the country under false pretenses, um, by their trafficker or whatever the case may be, and then their VC either expires or they've been or they've been smuggled into the country illegally, and then they find themselves as, as a victim of a crime. And so we also work with foreign foreign uh, victims, and we also provide immigration relief to those victims. So she probably did a better job summing it up than I could. So again, just to kind of hit that point home, when we're doing trafficking investigations, contrary to what you may hear in the news or what your feelings are, we do care about the victims. We're trying to give them every opportunity to resources and get them the help. And then also, in return, get their cooperation so we can put these people that are trafficking, you know, whether it's an organization, individuals, a household, you know, hold them accountable for their actions. So these, this slides here are just basically uh, summing up the victim assistance specialists and the interviewers. So again, on here, I have, if you see something, say something, and that's important. On there, we, we're partners with the National Human Trafficking Hotline, so you can call in if you have a suspicious feeling, or if someone needs help, if you encounter someone, if, if you're at, a, at your work or a church or another organization and someone comes in and says, I need help and I don't know where to turn, you can provide that number and they will help give them access to resources. And the more involved you get, there are local points of contact that you can refer them to that can also direct them in the same way. Uh, we have a national tip line that you could... Uh, call if you'd like to too and report it as well so we can investigate that. Uh, the important things if you are reporting something suspicious, suspicious is, you know, who did you see? What did you see? When you saw it, where it occurred? And why it's suspicious, right? So just think about that when you're calling in or if you're calling in with a very general tip, that's fine, but we're going to be trying to ask you those questions to follow up to get as much information as we can. Um, there's also an app, if you guys have never heard it, it's called Report It. And I don't think it, there's much here in, by the way, in Nevada. There's some federal agencies on there here. I know we are. Uh, but if you're traveling, and let's say you're in Arizona, uh, you can open report it if you see something. It anonymizes your information. And what it'll do is you can report that right to the, sh you can say this, I want to report this to the sheriff's office. And it gives you the contact information. You're able to do it right from the app. Uh, we're on report it as well. So, um, you could also do it through there. 
And I think that's about it. So if you want, we can open up to questions. Oh, wow. All right. Where do we start? Thank you for your presentation right here. Um, are you involved in the Jeffrey Epstein investigation? No. And, <laughs> no. And are you, uh, do you collaborate with the Coast Guard? Well, so the Coast Guard's actually under DHS, so they have their own investigators as well. Uh, they are where they're, they're under DHS. So for funding reasons, that's actually one, a couple of years ago back when they were asking a, uh, uh, I believe, a secretary, like, hey, why do you need all this ammunition? Why are you guys ordering all this stuff? It's, it's like, well, you realize that the Coast Guard, all our training centers, everything's under DHS, right? So, but yeah, they have their own investigators uh, that, that do that. Yes, sir. Oh, sorry. Hello. Um, at this year's uh, district assembly, we had a speaker that came and talked to us about human trafficking. One of the things they showed us was a video um, that uh, demonstrated uh, how desperate people are in third world countries. And, and the, the, the gentleman sold his daughter into the sex slave trade for $50 U.S., which was disturbing. Um, but so think about that. Um, but... With respect to so the other thing she was talking about, she mentioned that there is a task force that goes out every year at the Super Bowl to um, try and target human trafficking. Is, are you involved in that task force? And if so, could you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Any big event like that, uh, we're there to do human trafficking type investigations because there's going to be an influx, right? Unfortunately, these tra traffickers try to capitalize on these large events and they will transfer transport people, they're, they're working, uh, they're commercial, you know, victims, if you will, sex acts victims or whatnot from wherever, California, the East Coast, they'll funnel them into that area. But outside of human trafficking, we're also fo focusing on IPR. So when one of those big events come into town, we're, usually our office is running continually, and uh, it, it's, it's, a big, it's a big deal when they come in to town. Any, any major any major event that goes on here in Las Vegas, you have the UFC, you have major boxing events, uh, any major convention that's going to be over 100,000 uh, people, people attending, we're, we're involved in those uh, with uh, intellectual property rights, public safety, national security, and human trafficking. Would you make a brief comment about the link between pornography and trafficking? Because I think trafficking is fed by the purchase of porn. So we investigate those different, so there are different statutory authorities, and that's why when you break it down with, like, the stats, right, it's different. So the production of child pornography, the, the possession of child pornography or child sex tourism, those are all federal different statutes. So obviously, yes, a lot of people are trafficked, unfortunately, in those situations, and if we're able to get that individual to be a part of that, you can charge multiple crimes, but... In all fairness, the, the penalties for possession of child pornography, production is way higher, and a lot of times they, they don't stack. If they can't prove it, they're not going to try to force a little kid to get on the stand and do that when they can, a lot of times it's 10 years per image. So one video can have tons of images, right, because that's what it is. A video is just a bunch of images, so it's... 10 years per image, usually as it starts. I should say, though, that that is a state charge back in Arizona that we like to charge as well. So you can do that. But still, on the federal level, they're very high. 
the uh, penalties. You said a key to avoiding trafficking. Uh, can you address some of the things that maybe a local resident would, you must see it over and over again, things people do to uh, subject themselves to being at risk of this? Well, I can, I can tell you here in Las Vegas, there's uh, three or four levels of human trafficking or sex trafficking that we see. We see our neighborhood brothels where you individuals come in and rent a home and you see traffic day in and day out. You have your street walkers, for the lack of a better term, that frequent the hotels. And then you have the organized crime uh, elements where they have circuits of usually women and they travel from Miami to New York, to New York, to Chicago, to Seattle, Phoenix, down to Las Vegas, in, a, in a, almost a cycle of that, and that's organized crime. And then you have your street gangs, uh, MS-13, 18th Street Gang, 28th Street Gang, that control the young, underage uh, girls, per se, that come from California and Arizona and San Diego to frequent Las Vegas. Again, attending these conferences, attending these conventions for the profit. And it's very difficult. We run these operations all the time. And again, we take the victim approach. But how can you tell a young female that's 21 or 22 years old that's making $1,000 a night to convince them to get out of, the, out of the business? It's very, very difficult. Uh, I have, uh, well, two questions. But one question is, what distinguishes Homeland Security from the FBI? I mean, are you both doing the same kind of things? Why would I call you instead of the FBI if I We're, we're much better than FBI. Pardon? <laughs> no, uh, no, we, we uh, there's two distinctions. One is that we have Title VIII authority, which is Immigration Authority, and then we have Border, so border Search Authority. Those are two things that separate us. I think uh, we enforce over 464 federal statutes. So, but those are the two distinct ones, Title VIII Immigration Authority and the uh, Border Search Authority. So anything that's entering and exiting the United States, we have Border Search Authority. Just to give perspective, can you give us a number of how many um, human trafficking victims we have in Las Vegas alone? And can you also um, maybe give the average starting age for some of these victims? That's, that's a very tough question. I, I can't tell you how many victims that we do have. Uh, Las Vegas is a very transient uh, area. As you know, we have out-of-towners that come in, over 46 million visitors uh, every year. Um, I'm going to say a large majority of the individuals come from other cities into Las Vegas that's being trafficked. Um, we've seen them as young as 13. As young as 13. Hi, uh, thank you very much. Um, we see all these journalistic stories about what's going on at our borders with screening people as they come in the fa country, family separations, what have you. The stuff that we're doing now, how effective is that when it comes to reducing things like child sex trafficking, human trafficking, et cetera? I mean, that's a very difficult process. I mean, we're, we're I mean, uh, 
Unfortunately, my office is tasked to do some of that as well, so we send individuals TDY down to the border to assist with the border uh, crisis. Uh, we, we're doing the best we can. We're doing the DNA swabs. Uh, you know, the individuals come in. There, there are individuals that we see over and over just returning. So you see a, a eight-year-old and a ten-year-old with this set of parents one day, and two weeks later, you see them with that same set. However, we've been able to combat that by using the DNA and other methods to do that. So to answer your question, it's very difficult. Yes, uh, thank you for being here. I look at this problem as a supply and demand problem. So are there higher penalties for the people who demand these trafficking services? For, for the, it's for the actual trafficking organizations or person where the penalties are really enhanced. It would depend on, you'd have to look at the actual, you know, the criminal element or the, the element elements of the crime that this person did. So if they're utilizing a, a minor in a commercial sex act, well, that's going to be an aggravating enhancement regardless. But you will probably go after the person that dropped that child off if we can talk to that individual and get them to trust us and then go after that tra the trafficker, if you will. But yes, the, the enhancement would come from the actual act that, you know, it depends on the, what you can charge for whoever, well, whether it's the John and it has to do with the age of the victim. Uh, or, again, like just recently in the news, you, we, we talk about uh, the works, work site enforcement operation, right? Well, I know there's a lot of people in the news that's upset about that, but you got to understand from our perspective, we're not there to go after the illegal aliens, per se, or undocumented workers. We're there to go after the industry that's circumventing the laws, whether they're tax laws, employment laws, and unfortunately, that's one of the byproducts of it. Um, you know, the other thing that a lot of people don't see is uh, the, the undocumented aliens that are working from there are usually involved with identi identity and benefit fraud, and it may not affect anyone in this room per se, but there's someone there out there that has their social security number being used, that has mortgages taken out in their name, and it does affect them. So it's, it's a multitude of issues, really. So thank you on behalf of the Thank you both very much for some very timely information. Hold on. Hold on, both of you. Mike. Thank you very much. And Stuart. I'd like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, which means we are going to make a donation to the local USO in your name. Thank you. In the words of a woman I most admire, Amelia Earhart, no kind action ever stops with itself. One kind action leads to another. Let's leave today building connections, taking kind action, serving one another, and rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from the Las Vegas Rotary Club. For more information about future meetings, membership, and our local service projects, please visit lasvegasrotary.com. Now please go out, take action, and connect the world. <laughs>